Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm talking to Blake Hutchinson. Blake is uh, the CEO of Flippa, F-L-I-P-P-A, Flippa.com. This is an online marketplace where online businesses can get purchased or sold. So if you're running an online business, maybe you've got a division of your business, an online store, maybe you're an Amazon merchant, maybe you're an eBay merchant, not if you're an Etsy merchant, you'll find out why. But if you're running an online business, maybe you're using Shopify or Magento and, and you've, you've been around for a few years and you've gotten revenues to a certain level, you want to sell it. Or perhaps if you're starting up a business or you want to go online, why start up from scratch when you can buy an existing business and take your capital into something that's already got customers and a platform and a community and then build it from there? You've got all those options. Well, Flippa provides that. So I'm going to talk with Blake about those options with him. And, and he's going to tell you a little bit about his background and then get into what Flippa does. He's going to give some advice and thoughts on buying and selling businesses online and why you might want to consider it rather than even starting up your own business from scratch. So before we get started, though, again, another reminder, if you've got any type of uh, topics, guests, questions that you would like us to maybe answer for you or help you out in running your business, please submit them. Go to payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics. That's P-A-Y-X dot M-E. That way you can fill out a form. Let me know of any topics that you would like me to discuss or any guests that you might want to have on. We can do that as long as it's going to help you run your business. I want to make sure that we're taking care of that in this podcast. Okay, let's talk to Blake and we're going to find out about buying and selling online businesses on Flippa.com. Here we go. All right, Blake, thank you very much for joining me. I'm thrilled to have you on. Thanks, Jane. Pleasure to be here. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. And let's, um, so let's talk, uh, first of all, about before we get to Flippa, let's talk about you first. Um, you are the CEO of Flippa. How did you get here? Yeah, it's an interesting journey, actually. I mean, no doubt, like many of your, um, your customers and your audience out there, it's, um, it's been a journey through multiple industries, learning lots of different things from, from great and smart people around the world. So I, uh, I started my career at a publishing company. It was called Lonely Planet. Uh, Lonely Planet was a travel guidebook publishing company, which many people will be familiar with. Um, at one point there, uh, the world's largest travel publisher, doing a great bunch of stuff early on in the digital space. And my responsibility there was digital content licensing. So we were geocoding all of the points of interest and licensing that to people like American Express and Yahoo Travel and Expedia in the early um, exciting days of the online travel industry. So that's where I got my career start. Um, spent a bunch of time in San Francisco and then shortly after the BBC uh, acquired Lonely Planet, I, I moved to New York and spent a, a short amount of time with the BBC. So already um, a diverse experience and um, got, got the opportunity to kind of witness an acquisition play out in the early days of my career. So that's always mm. interesting. Sure. I then went to startup land. So I was based in San Francisco and I worked for a, a trip planning startup that raised um, about $13 million just prior to the GFC. Um, and we raised that money through Austin Venture Partners and Tanaya Capital, which just before the GFC was called Lehman Brothers Capital. 
Mm-hmm. Um, everyone remembers mm-hmm. them. So that was um, another interesting experience working um, as a, a founding team member for a, a trip planning startup there in San Francisco. I then moved back to Australian and as, Australia, and as you can hear, I've got a very thick Australian accent, uh, where I then started my own business. So I've been an entrepreneur. And interestingly enough, you ask how I got to Flipper. Well, that was how I found out about Flipper because I ended up selling my business on Flipper. Mm. Uh, and so I've got experience as a customer of the platform, which obviously gives me an interesting lens. Now, of course, when you wave the white flag and you can no longer run your own business for whatever reason, um, you need to go and get a paycheck somewhere. So uh, mm-hmm. I found my way uh, to zero. Uh, which is cloud accounting software. Sure. So a completely different industry, um, really fast growth, um, super interesting SaaS business, uh, connecting small business owners to bookkeepers and accountants all over the world and obviously giving them the software to do that really well. I was on the Australian leadership team there and then I was tapped to run a online travel business, a curated online travel agency called Luxury Escapes. And I spent... Um, Almost three years there before moving across to Flipper. Joined Flipper three years ago, and as you said, I'm the CEO here. So I sit uh, on the board with our uh, team of co-founders, um, Mark and Matt. Uh, based Good. one's based here, and one's based in the US. So that's a bit about me. Um, so let's talk about Flipper. I mean, it is um, my understanding. Just I, I don't want to oversimplify things, but you know, if you're looking to buy or sell an online business. Flipper is the platform for doing that, yep. Um, as opposed to being in the brick and mortar world, so um, explain further, like why why were there even a platform specifically for buying and selling an online business? Yeah, firstly, think about the platform economy. So think about um, all of the sellers that are on Amazon, all of the business yeah. owners that use Shopify, Big Commerce, WooCommerce, WordPress. The list goes on. So you've got this massive network of small business owners all over the world. Then think about the life cycle of a small business owner. No different to brick and mortar, of course. You you start, you grow, you want to thrive. But then what do you do when you, uh, when you want to sell? There's no natural pathway to exit uh, with the exception, of course, of traditional business brokers. And so Flipper mm. is a marketplace to buy and sell. Think about it as eBay for buying a business. You know, it's funny when I think about traditional business brokers, you know, they – I have this demographic and it's, I'm sure it's, I'll be blamed for being wrong, but it's usually like an older person that's selling an older family business. You know, I'm picturing some middle-aged person, you know, saying we're valuing inventory. Now we're going to value your PP&E and then we're going to, you know, see what your customer list might, might or might not be worth. It just seems like a completely different model than buying and selling an online business. You know, how, how are, you know, why would that be so different? Like, why is selling the typical brick and mortar business, in your opinion, considered to be different than buying and selling an online business? Or maybe it's not. Yeah, and there's a lot that's the same. But as you say, there are some you know clear clear differences. I mean, first and foremost, you, you tend to not have a buyer have to analyze foot traffic to a brick and mortar business. Right. You tend to have um, a buyer instead who is more interested in understanding. Uh, digital-based data. So what is your refund rate through an online channel? Um, What is your average order value through an online channel? How do you get your customers? Do they come through organically through searching keywords on Google or they come through as a means means of paying Facebook or Google to access their customer base? So it's a little bit different um, in the sense that the data 
and the analysis you do to understand the performance of the business is Mm. nuanced, but it's also the same in the sense that it comes down to quality, it comes down to financial and operational performance. So what is your trailing 12-month revenue? How much are you spending to to increase that revenue? Um, so there's a lot, to, lot, lots the same, but, but most of the nuances come down to the way you acquire the traffic and the way you pay to access your customer base. Got it. What businesses interest you and what businesses don't interest you? Like that would be good candidates for Flipper. Yeah. So, I mean, Flipper is digital first. So that means, you know, the most popular business listed on Flipper right now, or at least I'll give you two. So, fulfilled by Amazon, right? Nine million sellers all over the world. Um, big, exciting industry. They're very interesting to buyers on our platform right now. And the reason being is they get to access the Amazon network. They get to um, leverage their logistical capability and expertise, and therefore they only have to control certain elements, i.e. product quality, reputation management, and of course, the acquisition of customer through the Amazon channel. The second um, is a content website, so a blog. It could be a food blog. It could be a blog about dog breeds. It could be anything where you are writing quality content that is um, seen favorably by an audience and where you can monetize that audience with revenue from either Google AdSense or Ezoic, which is a platform to aggregate advertising, or Mediavine, or even affiliate channels where you might refer people out to um, different pet stores and make a, 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 an income when you refer those customers out. So they're the two most common right now. FBA websites that's fulfilled by Amazon. And the second one is content. The easiest way to think about that is blogs. If I'm, uh, we'll talk from the seller side first. Uh, you mentioned about, you know, your websites that are fulfilled by Amazon. Um, mm. You know, is a simple website, uh, you know, an Etsy reseller, uh, you know, you know, somebody that might be selling products or services on on Craigslist, uh, somebody that might be on eBay, are they candidates to sell their businesses on, you know, on Flipper? It's a slightly complex answer only because those platforms have different terms. And mm-hmm. so eBay, yes. Uh, Etsy, no. Uh, the question as to why Etsy is no is quite simply Etsy prohibits you from selling your Etsy business. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's complicated because you could be an Etsy seller who's also selling on the Walmart marketplace, mm-hmm. the Amazon marketplace. And of course, you could have your own Shopify store selling directly to people as well. So it gets a little bit complex because, of course, Etsy can't stop you from selling your business, but what you can't do is sell the Etsy store. And therefore, when someone comes to us who has an Etsy uh, store as part of their overall business operation, you tend to have to disclose to the buying community that the Etsy account per se wouldn't come as part of the acquisition. But in short, yes, any small business who is operating digitally first is a prospect for Flipper. What we don't do is let someone sell a laundromat or a bookstore or a uh, fashion retailer on a in a high street context sell on Flipper. Right. Which businesses, if you're selling, tend to get the higher valuations? You know, Blake, like, would it be the businesses that have storefronts on established e-commerce websites like Amazon or uh, not Etsy, but, you know, eBay? Or businesses that really are selling most of the stuff off their own, using their own platforms, or Shopify, or Magento, um, which which tend to be valued more? So the businesses that tend to be valued more are those which are a bit omni, 
in nature. So they're selling through multiple platforms and therefore the mm-hmm. buyer has assurances that there is revenue distribution. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's piece one. And then mm-hmm. secondly, there are kind of four major factors that a buyer considers and a seller should understand when, when buying a business. And the first one is the obvious one, the financial and operational performance. And that typically is based on a trailing 12-month basis. So what's happened the prior 12-month period? The second thing is age. And I often um, talk about age as being a little analogous to location in traditional real estate. So when you go and look at a, um, a house in a particular neighborhood, obviously some neighborhoods are um, more sought after than other. It's, it's a little bit the similar thing with age you know, in an online business context. Buyers will typically favor aged assets and that's because there's predictability of performance. They tend to know that if something's three or four years old and it's been performing of a certain way, that it tends to be that when they take it over, it will perform the same way. And that's very important to buyers. When the seller's valuing their business, are they, um, you know, I mean, there's really no assets, I'm assuming, that they have to sell. It's not like they've got tangible, you know, property or inventory. So I guess the, the the value of the business is really based on past performance and then some type of goodwill. Um, is there anything else I'm missing? No, that's exactly right. I mean, of course, you can have some uh, things like trademarks. Uh, you can have a database of customers. Some Perhaps you've got 100,000 customers that come as part of the acquisition. Um, perhaps there's uh, some inventory. So maybe you're an e-commerce business owner. Perhaps you uh, sell swimwear, much like a brick-and-mortar business would. Uh, if you've got $100,000 worth of inventory available as part of the asset sale, uh, then that inventory would come to the buyer as part of the acquisition. Um, but typically, yeah, it's a little more, it's it's simpler. You wouldn't be acquiring a warehouse typically. You wouldn't be acquiring the lease um, mm-hmm. as part of, as uh, obviously you tend to take over a lease as part of a brick and mortar acquisition. You don't do that in a digital context. Although, of course, you know, as you know, Gene, most most um, most brick and mortar businesses today are having to move to online in some way, shape, or form as well. So sure. it tends to be that, yeah, you'll you'll definitely get the online assets, so the website, the database, um, you know, their Facebook and other social profiles where they may have built up a bit of a following. So, Blake, you know, you know, there there are a lot of people that are that are listening to this, that are watching this, that are very small entrepreneurs, you know, yeah. I mean, solopreneurs, they have, they have small websites, they are just getting started or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before they start to see dollar signs in their eyes, is there like a minimum level of, you know, like qualifications, revenue, you know, that, that they should be considering before, you know, they, they even, you know, could be candidates to sell their business? Yeah. So there's not a minimum revenue threshold to be ready for exit. Kind of depends on what you're trying to achieve when you get to that point. Think about it in the context of what a buyer wants. So a buyer wants um, consistency of performance. So that means you've got to be an aged asset. So have you been operating for at least a year? You're now a candidate. Um, Have you been operating for um, the average asset sold on Flipper is actually four years old. So have you been operating for a period of time to give the buyer the confidence that the performance of the asset will continue um, long long after you have exited yourself? Um, Now, as it relates to, to revenue, you've then got to factor in expenses. So what buyers are doing is they're assessing your asset 
on its financial performance and then figuring out a multiple that they will pay you on its net profit. And so it really comes down to what you're trying to achieve. So let's say you're doing $100,000 net profit. Now, that can sound like a lot of money to a lot of people, but just to make it simple from a math standpoint, you might end up achieving between two and four times on that net profit as your exit price. So doing 100, you could sell for between $200,000 and $400,000. Now, that can be life-changing, right? So it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, if, you've, if you're doing $50,000, there's, there's a similar multiple will apply depending on whether it's e-commerce or content or even a small SaaS business or an app. It'll still be around two to four times. Now, of course, excellent assets can move up to four and five and six times. Less mm-hmm. good assets can trade between one and a half and two times, but that gives you some sense. And therefore, think about the number that's important to you and then work backwards from that and you'll be able to figure out what you need to achieve from a net profit standpoint. That's great. Boy, you took my next question away, and I'm glad you shared that because I was literally going to ask about what, what is the average type of selling price, and that's very helpful. Um, you know, when, when we're talking about net profits, just to make sure that we're clear, you know, buyers are going to be asking for documentation. You mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. in our conversation, but generally I'm assuming it's, it's tax returns that, that are going to be asked for. Um, you know, is, is, um, you know is, what other types of documentation should we be prepared to provide mm-hmm. Um, to, I mean, for example, if I'm buying a business, I'm going to want to see, and they're an Amazon merchant or they're an eBay merchant, um, or again, they have, maybe they're using Shopify or something like that. I'm going to want to see all those contracts, right. As well as tax returns. Anything else that I'm, uh, that I'm missing if I'm a buyer? Yes. The one thing to say is, um, I think you alluded to before the fact that many of your listeners will be sole traders or solopreneurs. So if you're a sole trader or solopreneur, one thing to do very quickly is is try to separate your personal expenses from your business expenses. And I'm not not suggesting you suddenly need to go and take out uh, business bank accounts with Bank of America or Citi or whoever it might be that you you bank with. Um, But just try to separate them out and perhaps um, create two, two check or savings accounts, one for personal and one for your business, just to try to separate that out because that becomes very, very difficult for buyers long-term. As it relates to paperwork, yes, absolutely. If you're trading as a business, which by the way, a lot of bloggers and um, or even um, first-time e-commerce operators won't do, um, then you will need to be able to show proof of earnings. And you can do that in a multitude of ways. Of course, if you're doing taxes, you'll need to show those tax returns. If it's a smaller asset, what you can tend to do is provide um, read-only access to your Shopify account or to your Amazon account or wherever it is that you're generating revenue. So buyers will need to see that proof. And they'll insist on seeing that proof before they give you any money for your asset. You cannot go and sell without providing that proof. Um, the second thing will will really come down to are there other assets that need to be verified? Do, do Are you saying that you have a database of 50,000 email subscribers? Well, if so, they're going to get access to, um, to your MailChimp account or whatever it is that you're using to run your email marketing with. So whatever assets operate your business, mm-hmm. they will need to be verified and buyers will always do due diligence. And if they don't want to do due diligence, don't sell to them because something will inevitably go wrong. 
Is it common that buyers then take over the organization behind the seller's business? I mean, you know, you know, we mentioned there's a lot of solopreneurs, but then again, there's a lot of, you know, people that are selling online and they've got staffs of people that are doing their marketing and their social and their, you know, finance and whatever. Um, is it, do you find that buyers are interested in buying organizations or are they just more interested in just buying the online assets of a company? What have you seen? They will typically buy the assets. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. One, it's it's just easier, and you don't you don't have to take over the liabilities or even worry about what liabilities might be in, um, connected with that sure. business or operation. So that's that's piece one. Um, secondly, there is there are tax considerations for both buyer and seller when you go to acquire or sell a business. So that's why buyers will tend to favor an asset sale. From a sell side standpoint, make sure you get some advice from from your accountant to understand any tax implications from a sale. Um, But yes, in short, they will typically take over all of the assets and all of the operations intertwined in in that asset. Um, Where's most this business conducted or, or is this, you know, I mean, you guys are based in Australia, I'm assuming, is that correct? Well, we're based in Australia, but most of our customers are with you, Gene. They're over in the US. They're over in the US. Okay. That's fine. Um, and what's Flippa's involvement in all of this, Blake? I mean, you know, we have, you know, the traditional broker, at least the good ones that I know are very much involved in the transaction. They're a big part of the team. There's usually an attorney involved, an accountant, but you know, they're, they're in the middle of the paperwork and guiding things around. So, yeah. Uh, tell us what Flipper does, and and yeah. how much do you cost? So think about Flipper as um as like Zillow. Most most of you will be familiar with Zillow out there. Sure. So think about Flipper as Zillow. We we are a marketplace where the connective tissue between the buyer and seller, uh, we're a platform to enable you to conduct the business you need to conduct. And mm-hmm. so we have um really three ways of selling. You can sell yourself, and that typically is better for smaller assets. And the good news is there's lots of buyers, there's lots of educational material. Flipper provides access to legal templates. We provide access to escrow. The escrow is free. So we're there to protect you and ensure that that, that money is, is, is housed in an escrow account before um, the buyer gets control of those assets. The second way to sell on Flipper is by tapping into an agent. The agent is a, is a traditional business broker. They're mm-hmm. experts in any one of these digital asset types, be it e-commerce, be it content, be it an app or, or other. So you've got multi, a, multiple, um, a multitude of ways to sell. As it relates to price, Flipper makes its money by charging our successful sellers a success fee. And so for any, the easiest way to think about this is any asset sold over $100,000, we take 5% success fee. Other than the honor system, how do you protect yourselves? I mean, say I find a potential seller on Flippa and then we just connect offline and do our transaction and, you know, you know, we kind of Flippa you off, you know, how do you, how do you <laughs> avoid not getting, you know, not getting your fee? Yeah, it's a great, it's a good question. I mean, in in short, it's it's by offering all of the services we do, like the integrated escrow and the legal templates and all these types of things, which are um, inextricably connected to the platform. So we we have our eyes on the prize, if you if you want to put it that way. Um, we also have a team of account manager who's managers who is sitting there with our sellers and buyers, operating as conduits between the two parties. They're not brokers per se. 
um, unless, of course, you use one. Uh, but they are they are parties in the middle helping people do the deals, and therefore they have an understanding. Got it. All right. Fair enough. Hi, right, Blake. So, uh, you, know, I guess my final question. And this is it, this wonderful information. It's a great platform. It fascinates me. Um, actually, I have another question before I get to my final one. You know, that occurs to me. I mean, the name of your uh, of of your company of of the platform is Flippa. Yeah. Um, it, do you have many people coming onto the platform and kind of doing just that, like you know, buying an online business and then flipping it? You know, after a short period of time. After is there a market for doing that? Yeah, there is. I mean, we we invented the space. Flip has been around for twelve years, and it actually yeah. started as uh, smaller entrepreneurs and developers creating assets that were a good fit for new and starter um, yeah. entrepreneurs. And so, as a result, yeah, they were creating assets and essentially moving them through the platform pretty quickly. Um, as digital has evolved and as online business ownership has evolved, we're now looking at more established businesses, higher value transactions and therefore flipping uh, for want of a better description is is less common but you do get serial entrepreneurs who use our platform and so they'll create an asset um, they'll build and run that asset for two to three years they'll sell it they'll take the monies from that um, sale and then they'll reinvest it on the platform and buy a bigger asset and so for instance a uh, gentleman by the name of John Chan there um, in New York, um, just lives out, out near Columbia University. He bought his first asset on the platform for seven and a half thousand dollars. Two and a half years later, he bought it. He sold it for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He's now redeployed that capital on the business into two or three other e-commerce businesses, using all that expertise and knowledge he picked up through the growth of his prior assets. So. He'll end up growing those assets, selling those on the platform, and then doubling down again because you get into the habit, you become good at something, and like any other industry, once you're in, once you you've got expertise, you can tend to rinse and repeat. It's crazy. It's almost like a, kind of like a day trader for online businesses <laughs> on exactly. steroids. Um, final question for you then, just sort of looking ahead, like I mean, you know, in the U.S., um, the past two years have been record years for startup applications. Yeah. Um, I mean, just just never really you know seen before, and there are lots of reasons behind that which we don't need to go into. But I I, I just want to get your thoughts. Is the demographics are skewing such that so many people are retiring? A lot of the baby boomers in the U.S. are you know, want to get out of their businesses. Other you know millennials. You know, I mean, the top edge of the millennial age is pushing forty now. Believe it or not, you know. So they, you know, they've been in the workplace and have gotten some, you know, experience. You know, managing companies, want to be their own entrepreneurs. You know, what are your thoughts about starting an online business from scratch versus coming to Flippa and and buying an existing online business and then making it your own? Like, what, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are I've done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 starting is is difficult because finding your first 100 customers tends to be easy, uh, but finding your first 1,000 customers tends to be difficult. And so think about the blood, sweat, tears, and effort, raw effort that goes into um, creating a brand, that goes into finding those customers, goes into maintaining those customers and the product that you're trying to represent. It's really hard. Um, and so what most people are finding is that with platforms like Flipper and, of course, other places, 
um, you're now kind of making available to buyers the same opportunities that have been available to private equity or venture capital or big institutional buyers. You're fast-tracking a pathway to growth. Sure. You're fast-tracking a pathway to income generation by buying. And so I tend to think about it this way. You can buy an asset for $50,000 that makes $25,000 per year. Can you invest from a standing start $50,000 and make $25,000 per year? I'd argue the latter is hard. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Blake Hutchinson is the CEO of Flippa, Flippa flippa.com, where you can buy and sell your online business. Uh, Blake, thank you so much for joining us. Great information and a lot of... uh, a lot of food for thought. Now I'm starting to get my gears going as to whether or not I'm in the right business or not. Uh, but I, uh, I, I, I appreciate all your thoughts. I think Flip is doing great. I want to wish you best of success. Would love to come and see you in Australia once you guys open your borders, like in 2028 or whenever that happens. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, we'll be now. sure I'd to, love to. I'd love to visit you too. But <laughs> yeah, if they let you out of there. Uh, but right. anyway, uh, it'll be it'll be great to stay in touch. So thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, Jane. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.